Welcome to From Inner Time, a Doctor Who podcast. I am your host, Jason Soto. Hello, everybody. And I'm joined by my co-host and fellow Doctor Who nerd and expert, Lackey. Hello, Lackey. Ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> uh, so today uh, we have a special uh, episode for you. We're joined by a guest. Uh, to explain why we have a guest... Um, he is the host of a podcast called It's Time to Rewind. It is a podcast that takes a look at uh, media that involves time loops, whether it's movies, TV shows, whatever. Uh, and uh, we kind of wanted him on for this episode of uh, Doctor Who because it involves time loops. So uh, from, uh, from It's Time to Rewind, give it up for Bubba Wheat. Hello, Bubba Wheat. How are you? Doing pretty good, but I, I was under the impression that this was a medical drama. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry we, we misled you. Yes. <laughs> but we had to because uh, you've told me in the past. I don't remember if it was on air somewhere or off air. Uh, you've not watched Doctor Who before, outside of like maybe a little bit when you were a kid. But other than that, you've not really sat down and watched an episode of Doctor Who, correct? That is, that is correct. Okay. So you you know nothing about <laughs> the, the long history of the show, any of the characters, nothing, nothing about I mean, it. I wouldn't say I know nothing about it. It's like I'm, I'm aware of, you know, bits and pieces here and there. Like okay. I'm, I've heard the name Dalek, you know, I know the, the, uh, the scarf doctor, Mm, scarf doctor <laughs> yep okay yeah so this is gonna be an interesting episode uh of this show uh and an interesting episode of doctor who for you to uh jump in on uh before we get into the episode though uh, let's just uh tell the people listening uh the very few listeners that we do have uh about your show uh it's time to rewind go ahead and tell everyone what the premise is and what you're doing and all that good stuff sure i mean like jason said it's a time loop podcast and i cover uh, time loop movies tv shows and potentially in the future i i may even cover uh, novels and video games and what i do is i take the time loop um, story and i break it up where each episode i cover one loop at a time so the the first season i went through the 30 36 loops of Groundhog Day, and then the second season, I switched to TV and I covered all the various time loop episodes in the Twilight Zone. And then coming up in the the third season, which should be coming out hopefully in uh, spring, either March or April, uh, I'm going to be covering you know three other time loop movies that don't have quite as many time loops. So I'm going to be lumping three movies together: Triangle um time crimes and a a small lesser known time loop movie that's literally just called time loop oh wow okay yeah i'm uh i'm looking forward to the time crimes episode uh that's one of my favorite not only favorite movies but favorite like time travel-y movies um <clears throat> that i enjoy i i very much enjoy that movie so i look forward to listening to the other episodes and being on that as I've established, I do wish to be on that episode. So, uh, uh, okay, so let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, this was the New Year's uh, Day um, special episode of Doctor Who. They used to do Christmas specials um, until Lackey. When did they stop doing Christmas specials? Which Doctor was they, it? They, was, was they it? stopped doing they stopped doing Christmas specials when Chris Chibnall took over. Chinball? Okay, when Chinball, Chinball took over. When Chinball took, Chinball over, took over. They started, they stopped doing uh, the last the last um, Christmas special was Twice Upon a Time, which was the one where Peter Capaldi um, 
regenerated into Jodie Whittaker. Mm -hmm. And then from then on, they were holiday specials or festive specials that aired around the new year. Mm. Okay. I've, I've always, um, I've always enjoyed the Christmas episodes because uh, they were, uh, they were kind of one-off, you know, they were just kind of standalone little stories that just had like side adventures. They would not even feature, um, uh, companion sometimes it would just be the doctor just going off doing something uh, right uh, did you like did you like some of the past uh, Christmas uh, specials yeah I I really dug um a lot of the Christmas specials even some of the later ones um like I thought last Christmas or whatever one it was I think last Christmas was the one that had Nick Frost as Santa Claus uh, yeah. I remember really enjoying that one but yeah particularly like the earlier ones like um you know, like uh, the Christmas Invasion, Voyage of the Damned, Runaway Bride. I, I, I really enjoyed those. I think my favorite um, were the Tenant, the David Tennant, Tenth Doctor, David Tennant. Yeah. Ones. Those were my favorite. Yeah, I the think. David Tennant ones, I think, were those were the best. Okay. Um, the, the end of time got a little messy, but it had oh, yeah. a, they had a lot to do with those, too. <laughs> they true. had to wrap up the entire David Tennant era. They had to... You know, bring back the master, and they had to have a suitably bonkers plan for the master, and then they had to regenerate, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they had it was um. But yeah, for the most part, I think the tenant ones are the best ones. Okay. But some of, like I said, I like some of the Smith and Capaldi ones. Okay. The Smith ones were I felt weird to me, like they were like these weird. Like, they were trying to do, like, Charles Dickens stories all the time for some reason. Like, all the, every time I think back to a <laughs> 11th Doctor Christmas special, I think, like, Charles Dickens for some reason. <laughs> well, considering that one was literally called A Christmas Carol. Yeah, see? Yeah, see? There you go. But, yeah, there is kind of, like, a there is a, there is a sense that the that, – that, that there is an atmosphere, I think, that – um. Uh, that that Matt's that that Stephen Moffat brought to the Matt Smith era, particularly like the last year with the Snowmen. Oh yeah. With this almost sort of like um, you know when he was bringing Clara in, um, mm. there's this sort of weird, vaguely archaic kind of Dickensian feel yeah. to some of his stories. Um, I mean, really, I think the best way to compare. Um, you know, the one of the I, I think to compare the Russell T. Davis era to the Stephen Moffat era is the Christmas specials, um, because, you know, episodes like um, like the Snowmen and the Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe, they're very different sorts of stories from Voyage of the Damned or the Christmas Invasion. Right. Um they're a little bit more melancholy. They're a little bit more atmospheric. Um, those are the, like the main kind of things that they kind of, you know, portray to me, even the later ones, even the later, like there's an app, there's like a sense of atmosphere to twice upon the twice upon a time that the Davies ones for the most part lack. I think the Davies ones are better because they're more fun. Okay, yeah, they um, definitely were. I really did enjoy it. Like I said, I enjoyed those, I think, a little bit more. Um, But, but yeah, yeah there's kind of like the, the, the Moffat ones, I think, are more atmospheric. Okay. Yeah, nah, yeah, 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 yeah. I can agree with that. Okay, uh, so let's get into this one. Um, So this was called Eve of the Daleks. Uh, and it took place actually on New Year's Eve, uh, 2021, going into 2022. I thought that was a nice little touch. Uh, let me get a, a quick plot synopsis, and then all of us can just dive deep into it and talk about stuff that happened in it. Uh, so it takes place at a uh, storage unit, at a storage facility. Uh, we meet two people, Sarah and Nick. Uh, Sarah's the owner of the storage facility. Nick is a guy who... Uh, shows up every New Year's Eve uh, to go into his unit with a different item. Uh, and then the Dr. Yaz and Dan uh, show up at this unit because the TARDIS needs to reset. Uh, and then um, as they're all kind of running around this uh, storage unit, uh, they're being invaded by Daleks. And each of them, all these characters that I mentioned, are killed by the Daleks. 
Uh, but then they appear again uh, alive uh, 10 minutes prior to when they died. And every time they run across the Dalek, they get killed. And then they go back nine minutes to before they get killed. And then every time they get killed and go back, they lose a minute. Um, so it's literally a uh, a, uh, a rush. Uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? A rush towards time to try to get this all figured out. That's basically the plot of the episode, what the story is. Um, Bubba Wheat, first question to you. Uh, did you understand anything that happened in this episode? <laughs> I mean, it's it. honestly, it's pretty... It's not that opaque. Okay. It's. I, I think it's pretty self-explanatory if you're familiar with sci-fi concepts in general and if you have even just a vague understanding of the doctor like i know that the doctor Mm -hmm. travels through time i did i was a little bit thrown off in the beginning because we're introduced to these two characters and i'm imagining that these are the the two characters that are just that just exist in this episode but like coming into this as a first time watch it's like who are these two people do they have anything to do with the doctor and it wasn't until i mean i think i figured out pretty quickly that no these are just like the the characters just for this episode and then um you know we get jumped into this disaster that's going in going on in the the tardis and that was like I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> like the the only thing I know about the Dartist is I know that it's bigger on the inside. Yep. And that it travels through space and time. So <clears throat> Yeah, it was it was kind of established in the last season, the the flux that the TARDIS was kind of breaking down and uh they the characters didn't know why. Um and then uh, the guy Dan, the companion, he joined in just the previous season. He he's he's relatively new. Uh, Yaz uh, joined up with this doctor when she when this doctor debuted a couple of years ago, a few years ago, uh, and she was part of another crew of companions. And the uh, it was uh, her, a guy named Graham, and uh, another dude named Ryan. Uh, but Graham and Ryan ended up believing, so it was just Yaz and the doctor. Uh, and I'm bringing that up for a very specific reason that I'm going to get into in a minute here. Um, but, uh, Lackey, what did you think of the episode overall? <clears throat> I liked it. I, okay. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I certainly enjoyed it more than anything in the Flux season, save for the um, uh, Village of the Angels. Yes. I think Bull Village of the Angels was just generally a stronger episode than this one. Mm-hmm. Um I think this benefited from being self-contained for the most part. Yeah. You know, there's there's a little bit of stuff that if you didn't watch the flux season, you don't understand why they have to do the reset. Um, you don't understand necessarily the Daleks' motives and doing what they're doing. Um, but for the most part, it's it's a solid episode, well paced. I like the device of them losing a minute off every time loop. Mm-hmm. It it really makes it, as you said, a race against time, and it gives it a sense of stakes. Yeah. Um, they've got a countdown, and they've they've got you know a finite amount of time to you know solve the problem. Right. Um, I think this is also probably one of the most effective doll uses of the Daleks in the new show. Um, okay. I really like the way they were lit. Uh, the way they were kind of handled, you know, they they didn't really. They had a few, they had a few quips. Like I, the, the one that I really cracked up was Daleks do not. <laughs> what what was it? Daleks one of them, do not they, file stuff. They don't have stuff. Daleks they do not have managers. They don't, managers. Have, they don't, they don't store, store stuff. stuff. <laughs> um, I thought that was I cracked up. Yeah, that, but the Daleks got. I feel that under the Daleks, particularly under the Davies and Moffat eras, they got a little bit too quippy. Mm. Like, uh, you know, the, the Daleks versus Cybermen episode where they're like, this this is pest control. I didn't like stuff like that. I Gotcha. Um I like yeah. I like the Daleks to be nice and simple. Um I don't I don't want them to have senses of humor. Um 
but really, I, I, I think this was a really well-directed episode and a really well-edited episode. Mm, yes. Um, I think this was a very good episode for Dan. Um, yeah. As you may recall, I was very lukewarm on <laughs> uh, throughout the Flux season. I think he did uh, a much better job here. I particularly like the scene where... Um, I, I particularly like the scene where he was just basically got right in the Dalek's face and yeah. was keeping ahead of the gun stock. Mm -hmm. um, he's catching on. I like that. Yeah, he's, Dan. He's learning. Dan grew on me in this episode. I I really enjoyed Dan in this one. I I I remember thinking that as I was watching. I'm like, yeah, he's he's growing on me. I like this guy now. He's not as annoying. Um. All right, uh, so uh, Bubble Weech, just in case you didn't know, this is the first time, unless Lackey wants to correct me, that they ever did a time loop on Doctor Who, which is very surprising to me. Uh, I, I believe that they, because I, I actually saw on Twitter somebody referenced like which, which time loop episode was better, and I don't remember the name of it, but I saw in the replies that it was an episode that they were in a time loop, but they only showed one of the time loops. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. See, I there's, didn't even know that. There's a couple of episodes where time loops... I, 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 I'm not recalling that there's anything on any other uh, episode of the new show that has a time loop. I'm Now, the, 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 the classic series, there are a couple of episodes where time loops are a plot device... Mm. And in in fact, one of them, they get the um, you want you like Doctor Who techno babble. Here's an all time champ for you. Um, uh, time loops have the scientific name chronic hysteresis. <laughs> in one of the, I think it's the final Tom Baker season. One of the episodes uses the phrase chronic hysteresis to use. Uh, to, to describe a time loop. Mm. But this is the only episode that I'm aware of that I can really is coming to mind that actually is built around a time loop in the classic sense where uh, where it's basically like a Groundhog Day type setup. Right. I, I found the uh, I found the tweet. It was uh, Heaven Sent was the other episode. Oh, Heaven Sent. I don't know if I would really call that a time loop. But yeah, I guess you could call it a time loop. What happens in Heaven Sent? That's the one where the doctor has to go through the loop and die every single time for like a billion years. Oh. That's know. a late that's like the last Clara season. That's well, one of the last episodes to feature Clara. Well, Bubba Weed, if you want to have a Clara, billion like episode season, life. you should probably cover that show. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not <laughs> So, so obviously they would only cover one iteration of the loop. I, I figured. Um, it would still be funny, though. And, and if there was a billion episodes, you know, we've been having a discussion, uh, an on and off discussion on the um, the rabbit hole face, uh, Facebook uh, chat. We have a, th those of us who are involved, and Rob really seems to be very, it's a big sticking point that episode that seasons aren't as long as they used to be for Rob. Mm. So I guess a billion episode season of television <laughs> would be like the perfect thing for Rob. There you go. <laughs> uh, so I just looked up the, on the Dr. Who wiki uh, under time loop, which actually has his own whole page on here. Um, they list a few examples uh, just quickly. There was, uh, there was some mention of it in the Clause of Axios. Um, That's right. Um, there was... There's, there's going to be one, and the one that comes to mind is Night, Nightmare of Eden, I okay, think. I'm seeing. I'm, I'm looking. This is kind of a long list. Okay, I was way wrong. Apparently, they did a lot <laughs> of time loop stuff. I was way, this way is, wrong. Like I said, this is the only episode with a Groundhog Day style, the classic Groundhog Day style structure. All right. Okay, that's fair. Um, well, you know what? They're also listing like Doctor Who novels and the audio stuff as well. So that's probably why yeah. this looks as big as it does. Um, okay. Well, uh, so Bubba, we since you're our time loop expert, let me ask you. Uh, in terms of the time loops, uh, how do you feel about how it was used in this episode? And did you think it was interesting that instead of it going back to the beginning every time, they would lose a minute? Yeah, I thought that that was an interesting device and, and a way to make it, you know, like 
like you two have said already, it, it gives it a ticking clock. It raises the stakes. It, it gives them a definitive end point to this. You know, they only have nine chances to get it right. Mm-hmm. And so you have, you basically have a countdown because they, they predict that, I mean, I mean, technically they don't really know, but for some reason they've decided that the obvious endpoint is midnight. Yeah. And so they, they think that, you know, that the loop's going to basically close itself whenever it gets to midnight, even though I, I think a part of that seems like it, it's kind of a, um, you know, they're, they're skipping a, a logical step because they're all dead before it's, it resets. Right. So they wouldn't know for sure. <clears throat> so in theory, it could just, you know, keep going past midnight and it'll be, you know, 1201 or 1202. Because mm. in, in term, I would think in, in terms of the doctor, the, the concept of midnight is, is really meaningless. <laughs> that's true that is that, true that's that is that's more true. of a you know that that's more of a construct of the uh, you know the the timeline the and the time zones especially on earth and in manchester yeah yeah i didn't like i remember watching the episode and i was like why do they think it's midnight you know like what i trying to remember i couldn't remember anything that happened that made them think that and it might have just been a show thing. It might have just been like, we're just going to write this in the script just because. Yeah, because it's know, the New Year's Eve episode. It's the New Year's <laughs> Eve, yeah. yeah. So it has to be midnight. Yeah, that's the only logical reason. Um, and then the other thing is like, well, we can't just have them leave the building because the Daleks are here. So we're going to have this force field around the entire um, uh, uh, storage unit, um, save for the basement door for some reason. That didn't have a force field on it, but yeah. Personally, like coming into this, I thought that that was like I thought, or I immediately guessed that the time loop was being caused by the the, the reset of the TARDIS, mm-hmm. and I right. thought that. But I also thought that the force field the force field was caused by the TARDIS as well. Yeah. I didn't get until later that the force field was put up by the Daleks. Right. Right. Yeah. I could see that, yeah. I, I, I figured the time loop was because of something with the TARDIS when I was going into the episode. Uh, the force field, I didn't... Yeah, that I, I couldn't figure that out. Yeah, um, the force field is definitely being put there by the Daleks. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to get into the one problem that I had with this. We can, we can start the bitching session if anyone else has problems. Here's my <laughs> problem. Uh, and this is more probably for Lackey than Bubba Wheat, so I apologize, Bubba Wheat. Um... I hate that they have to shoehorn in a romance for the companions with the doctor. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> when... yeah, here's a, I, I have a question for you, Jason. I have a legitimate question for you. Okay. Did you get at any point, <laughs> and I know you said you haven't watched the entire Whitaker era. Right. But at any point, did you ever, over the last, however, three or four years, that, 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 Jodie Whittaker has been the doctor and that Yaz has been on the show. Have you ever gotten the feeling that Yaz had a thing for the doctor? Not one time, not even a little bit, not even during flux. I I watched all of flux. Nothing in flux made me think Yaz is having a thing for the doctor. Like, and And go ahead. It's, it's not, you, you know, I think they were, I think Chibnall was trying to, 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 to foreshadow this this whole thing with this whole thing about you know throughout the flux season about Yaz being um, really hurt by how the doctor won't tell her anything. Yeah, but that's not the same thing as romantic interest. Right. And it's, I find this amazing considering that I I feel that the two actresses have a lot of chemistry together, not necessarily romantic chemistry, right. but Jodie Whittaker and Mandate Gill. You know, they have a lot of chemistry. They work. You you really do get the feeling that these are two very very close friends. Um, but no, I I I'm sitting here like I I kind of cocked to my head and the sock to the side to the side and was like, what is this all about? Yeah, like that came out of bubbleweed. That came out of nowhere. <laughs> like that was never referenced. This was the first episode they 
ever reference any kind of feelings that Yaz had toward the doctor. And when they said that, I threw literally threw my hands in the air and I said, come the fuck on. Like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> like, can we just have a, a, a series where a companion is not in love with the doctor? Like, can we just get through a or season? Or the doctor is not in love with the companion. It's like somebody actually did the math and it's like the only the only companions that really haven't had like primary companions not counting like you know rory that haven't had romantic some sort of romantic tension with the doctor were donna and bill okay you know and it's like and even when it comes to the secondary companions there's captain jack (laughs) <laughs> you know captain jack is a huge thing for the doctor yeah yeah you know it, it, it's just can can we find something else to build and, character relationships around and, you know we got along fine for three seasons you know uh for, for three seasons there have been there have been i've had a lot of problems with the, the way the jody whitaker era was written how the doctor and Yaz played off each other is not one of them. I think it's the, one of the highlights of the show, mm-hmm. their their relationship, and to have this thrown at us at this late point in the game is almost insulting. Yeah, I I agree, and you know, so okay, I praise Doctor Who for being progressive. They've always been progressive. They've always had interracial, you know. Uh, relationships is always like a white person and a black person seems to always be this episode even featured or, or that a hu- we had... or, a human, or a human and a cat <laughs> you know? or uh, a human and a lizard type person that yeah, lived under the know, earth for and... several years and then they end up getting yeah married. you know yeah. i mean <laughs> but it's like what uh... <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it sounds like typical star trek nonsense it kind of uh, is. It kind of is. Yeah, really. <laughs> it really does. But um yeah, we really did not need that. I mean, I was that was like the one thing I was giving the Jodie Whittaker era for was nobody is falling in love with each other. There's, you know, they're just friendships. They're all friends. She calls them fam. They're just friends. And I was all for that. I'm like, "Awesome. Beautiful. Great." Let's just have them just be friends. They're just uh, traveling companions. You know, I don't know what the future is going to hold for, you know, you know, what's going to happen with Yaz. If she's going to leave along with Whitaker or not. They didn't. I don't think they ever said that unless I missed something. I I don't I don't think they've said Mandy Gill is leaving the show. I don't think they've confirmed it, but I think it's a fair assumption. It might be. Yeah, that they're just going to that they're going to do basically like a wipe the slate clean. Another one, another wipe, for, another for, wipe for, <laughs> like, um, yeah, for for Russell T Davies when he takes over the show. Yeah, because uh, uh, yeah, the show is really good with when they change hands of uh, showrunners. They just completely, it's basically like a like a new pilot, like just a new pilot for the show. <laughs> yeah, it's like basically just... like a soft reboot. Exactly. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, so. But, man, we really did not need that. But, you know, other than that, that was my only complaint about the episode was that. Everything else I, I, I liked. I really dug it. I dug this episode. I thought it was cool. Uh, I liked the, how it was different that, that every time they went back, you know, they lost a minute. That was cool. I'm with you guys on that. That was really neat. Um, um, oh, the other thing I didn't understand, maybe you guys can help me. Why was Nick weird? <laughs> because he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm a weirdo, but like I, Nick, you know, <laughs> Nick is my other sticking point. Okay, and this, he's just too. I think he's just a bit too. I think what Chris Chibnall was trying to do was trying to create an awkward character, a guy <clears throat> who is just genuinely awkward. But to me, he came off as kind of creepy. Really? Yeah, that's bit, that's what so he I... came off to. Pardon. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd say he definitely has a little bit of a creepy vibe. And, mm. you know, it, it also didn't entirely, like, the the story, the way that they were trying to tell it didn't fully add up because it's like he said that he's had this crush on her for three years. He comes there every New Year's Eve. So he only comes there once a year, and that means he's been there three times. And yet he and, has this entire storage at Locker 
or, or it, it looks like it doesn't even look like a storage locker it's you know the, it looks like this giant space that has all these shelving units and it's looks like he's got you know 30 40 different items from his ex-girlfriends yeah yeah we didn't get to that but yeah the, the, the way he describes his apartment that apartment has to be smaller than the storage space yeah totally there, there's to. just a lot of things i just don't like the way the character is written i i think like i said i think chris chibnall was trying to get trying to go through and trying to create a character who is genuinely awkward but he kind of undercuts that um just kind of like by being he's a little creepy and oh, i only show up once a year i'm the one person who shows up once a year to you know to do this stuff just so i can see you but he's he's bringing all this stuff that belonged to his exes all these ex-girlfriends he has and i'm like this is just you know there's i think there's this point where they're trying to work out work out whether he's like a serial killer and these are his trophies <laughs> Yeah, it's like a, at least they hung a lampshade on it. I I, I did yeah. kind of love that um, that line. But I think as a character, I I think it's nothing against the actor uh, Johnny Salmon, who I I thought did a fairly good job with what he was given. I I just don't think the character is written well enough. Well, I, know, I think I, just, that... I don't think it's. Oh, go ahead. I I think that his character was written well enough. The ex it's just they messed up on the backstory like if they'd have just you know tweaked his backstory just a little bit it would have read as okay and like if you just ignore the the whole you know he's and you know in theory he's been there like three times and either that or you know the previous times he's had this collection from you know the the previous years before and then once he saw her you know he he stopped you know, he was afraid to come there, but he knew that he, that she would be there the next New Year's Eve for some reason. But like, if you just ignored that part, which is a very small, small portion of his character and of the story as a whole. But I think just in general, just him being an awkward character, I think that works well enough. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there, there were a couple of other things that I didn't really care for. Some of these yeah. are just nitpicking. Okay. I don't understand why we have to have a new freaking Dalek or a new freaking Cyberman, why we have to add new powers to them every time they show up. This time, and it's a subtle enough thing that you might not notice it, but these are different Daleks to the ones that we've seen before in the show. These are called Executioner Daleks, and they have like Dalek Gatling guns. And it's like, does that really have, does having like these machine guns that go, does that really add anything to the Dalek? Does it make them scarier? Does it make it more effective? And I didn't really feel it did. Hmm. I thought it made it more humorous. I mean, I don't really have anything to compare it to. It, it reminds me of the, um, I, I can't think of the alien's name, but the, you know, the bureaucratic aliens in the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. Oh, the Volgans? Volgans? The Volgans. Yeah, Volgans, yeah, yeah Volgans, yeah. <laughs> to where they, you know, they're firing this and, you know, they, unless they're at point blank range, they're going to miss every time. Uh-huh. Hmm. Um, and, and they, and for me, for me coming into this blind, like, I'm aware of Daleks. I know that they've existed for a long time. I know that they look, have always looked like this. But they do not like the the characters present them as this, you know, the, this be all end all. You know, the Daleks are here. You better be scared because they're going to kill us and they're not going to stop until we're dead. But they're and I also think that this may be true in um, the way that they've presented as this in the series as a whole. But they seem much more like comical uh villains like they did not seem scary they seemed <laughs> like you know borderline uh buffoonish it's it's really difficult to do a recurring monster or recurring villain on a show like doctor who that's been running for this long um because You've got to come up with reasons why they're so fearsome 
and everybody's so scared of them, and yet they they always lose. Right. You know, I I think we had this discussion, or we kind of touched upon this a bit, you and I, Jason, when we were talking about uh, the end of time, not the end of time, the the Harold Saxon master two-parter. Oh, okay. Where the the, the, the master actually manages to win for once. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because every time he loses, and yet he's the he he never seems to be able to get a leg up and yet he's the doctor's greatest enemy and similarly you've got to kind of keep figure out a way to make the da- the daleks the daleks are supposed to be scary mm-hmm. in theory <laughs> yeah you know and i i'm saying in theory um at least they were kind of conceived way back in 1963 as being something to scare kids with yeah and you've got to kind of have this reason why the doctor has been fighting these things for almost 60 years and they have not killed the doctor yet Mm. you know but they're still supposed to be the greatest enemy they're they're like the show's big they are like the daleks are like the, the thing that everybody associates the Doctor with, Doctor Who with, after the character of the Doctor and after the Tal Tardis, it's yeah. Doctor Tardis Dalek. Daleks, yeah. You know, if there's one thing you know about Doctor Who, it's that Doctor Who fights Daleks. Yeah, they even made and... the board game based around the Daleks. That's the premise right. of the board game. Is you're you're chasing after the Daleks. Yeah, so right, and it's it's an important distinction here that this is not, they're not, um. The Daleks are not aliens in the in the Star Trek sense. They're not aliens in the sense that you know, um, the the Klingons are aliens, or the Romulans, or the Ferengi are aliens. They're monsters. They're not complex. They don't have this deep culture or anything like that. They're just basically they're supposed to be, you know, death incarnate. They're they're more like the Borg. They're more like the Borg. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, they, but they don't want to assimilate; they want to exterminate. Yeah, they they they, they have a different <laughs> phrase. Yeah. But that's important to keep. It's important to keep in mind that they have to be. They're they're not an alien race with a culture and a history, and a, um, you know, and a society. They are monsters. They are or, they, they 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 are forces of evil. Or to put it in know? like the superhero context, they're they're like doomsday. Right. Yeah. Yeah, basically, they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be you know, very not... feared, and uh, but then they end up just kind of, I don't know, <laughs> stumbling yes, around I, I like idiots. Very scary <laughs> robots that slowly wheel toward you with these very dodgeable, um, you know, stick-like and, weaponry. And what's, what's they, interesting, they, you know, we see in this in this episode that they're destroyed by ducking. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. Or they're delayed by just running around them to avoid their stick gun that slowly rotates around. Yeah, right. but um, the the Daleks themselves—they're not the actual like they're not robots. There's actual like beings inside there. They these small. Yeah, they, they showed it. They, they showed it things. When, uh, yeah, whenever they were destroyed. We, yeah, we get to see them in this. Yeah, episode. and they, yeah, they just use these. Key yeah, <laughs> you know, to to come up again with my um, with my more popular U.S. references, they're like Krang. Yes, basically they're Krang. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. I like that. <laughs> um. <clears throat> yeah, and 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 but like I said, the problem is with that is that there is a bit of a temptation, you know, for writers to make them a little bit funny or to yeah. deconstruct them a little bit. Yeah, you know, to make them a little bit more amusing, to give them quips instead of just having them say exterminate, you know. But um, I do like the I do think that their their humor in this episode because that like they're not making jokes, but they're playing the straight man and then you know being the straight man in a comical situation makes them funny right yeah um now you know sorry 
Go ahead. I was going to say the other the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that very very interestingly enough the the, the one character that I found most fascinating in this entire episode is the one that never is appears which is Jeff. Jeff, I was going to bring Jeff up. I was going to bring Jeff up. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was going to totally Jeff has apparently been sleeping at this place and he has this survival he has all this stuff there and i just want to know who this jeff guy I is was gonna... he has an entire room full of like beans well, he has an friends. entire floor yeah <laughs> like does. two floors because he's got the fifth floor and the basement right that's true that but is there's true. just one room that just seems to be filled with beans and franks and cans <laughs> that yeah. are three years out of date that are three years out of date what is he what is his deal I know. I I never wanted the mystery solved more than the the mystery of Jeff. I really want. Well, I think to know. it's pretty clear. I mean, they they kind of say it without saying it, but he's. Um, I get the impression that he's a doomsday prepper, and, and this is his bug out location. Yeah. Uh, I must have missed. Okay. I mean, I I get it now. I guess that does make sense with the. It's it's food. it's the one explanation that makes the most sense. It does. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, and then you got to have your. Uh, your uh, 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 taxidermy stuff with you during the apocalypse. So, yeah. Uh-huh. The only thing and, missing and is his water supply. We just didn't see it. It was there. We just <laughs> didn't see it. We just didn't go into that storage locker. But yeah, fireworks. <laughs> he was yeah. ready for the fireworks. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, when zombies, when the zombie apocalypse happens, you need the why, fireworks. Why shoot them? Why shoot them when you can, I don't know, fire Roman candles at the fuckers? Exactly. <laughs> That's how you defeat the zombies, don't you know? Don't you? Have you not seen George Romero movies, Lackey? I mean, come on, people. <laughs> it's right there in Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's it's less suspicious. Them, they go up pretty quick. It's less suspicious and more fun. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so uh, Bubbly, I'm gonna ask you: uh, Has a person who's not familiar with the show, like me and Lackey, are um, uh, overall? What did you think of the episode? And are you probably gonna revisit Doctor Who, like in the future? I mean, Doctor Who has always been one of those shows that is like you know high on my list in, in terms of. You know, if I was ever going to start a new sci-fi show, mm-hmm. you know, I would say that there I've got like, you know, a top five and, and it would be uh, not necessarily in this order, but like Doctor Who, Battlestar Galactica, Farscape and Stargate SG-1. Okay. I, you know, just off the top of my head, those, those are like sci-fi series that I know that I would probably like and I would like to get around to eventually. I just haven't ever what no expanse <laughs> well, i mean that's sorry yeah inside that, joke. that's inside joke <laughs> that's new enough but uh like all the other ones are, are much older, older okay you know? um i'm gonna recommend probably at this point and lackey you can maybe back me up on this if you're gonna dive into doctor who you can probably just start with the reboot um only because you probably don't want to go through sixty plus years of TV, <laughs> uh, and oh well, yeah, the, that's that's the, what I would the would reboot. Expect I would start the reboot, like, I feel like David Tennant, right? He was the first. No, Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston. Uh, yeah, um, but uh, the reboot does actually an interesting job explaining things that they need to explain from the older series so like if something comes up that was you know in the 70s episodes or whatever they'll mention it and give you like a good backstory they'll you know someone will be like oh i encountered like the master when he showed up uh like oh i encountered him several times several years ago blah 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 um so you know yeah the reboot reboots probably would definitely be the best starting point and then if you do ever want to torture yourself at some point you could start back with the first doctor um but it's going to be a a a, a slog let me tell you (laughs) my general suggestion for people that are getting into doctor who is to start with the reboot episode one start with rose start with christopher eccleston in 2005 Mm -hmm. if you find you like it it's worth going back to it's worth going back to examining the original series but i don't suggest starting with hartnell 
Yeah. Um, I suggest, I generally suggest going to going and to um the first uh, John Pertwee episode, Spearhead in Space. Mm. It is a soft reboot. You know, it tells you um, it it's it's um tells you enough about what you need to know about the character. It's in color, um, mm. and you know, it's it's a lot. It's it's a bit quicker paced than some of the, um, you know, these stories. If you can get out of the first, you know, if you can get out of the first John Pertwee season, if you make your way through it, because it is one four parter and three seven parters. Um, but if you can, if if and if you don't really feel yourself really being able to dig Pertwee, then I gen suggest going to the first Tom Baker, uh, story which is Robot. And again, things are, you, you know, you, you get a good feel for, again, it kind of resets the doctor. Um, it's kind of a reset of an era. It's the end of the unit era. So, um, you know, he's back and traveling through space again. You can understand why Tom Put Baker is like the definitive doctor who, at least from the old series. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people are just not going to be able to get it at all. Right. That's not... Um, that's not a knock on anybody. It's just the old series is a very different type of series, television series than a lot of people are used to. Mm -hmm. Um, even, even, you know, even someone who grew up on it, like I did sometimes those early, even the Tom Baker and the, you know, the stuff from the eighties can be very, a very, uh, they can be slogs to get through. Yeah. Very much. So, um, yes. And then if you find yourself liking the show, you can you can always go and, and start from the beginning. You can start from the very beginning with William Hartnell. Um, you can jump around a little bit. There isn't a whole lot of continuity between hmm. doctors. So, I mean, if you have, you know, if you have the basics, you know, the doctor is a, is a time lord that travels in a, you know, a time machine called the TARDIS and you know, fights monsters and has traveling companions and, you know, you can go, you can, you know, you can watch the Tom Baker episodes and then go and skip the next three doctors and go to Sylvester McCoy. And, you know, yeah. you know, it's not going to be like, Oh my God, what's going on here. It's, it's yeah, not like yeah, you yeah, need yeah. to watch everything um, and, in, in sequence. And I'm going to go ahead and defend the 1996 made for TV movie. I didn't think it was that bad. I know it was it's you know hardcore fans probably didn't like it. It's fine. I get it. But I kind of enjoy that one. Um, I don't it, think it's a good intro point. No, no, no. I people. didn't mean it as an intro. I yeah, I'm, no. I'm just saying I'm just saying if somewhere in the mix of things you want to check it out. Right. Don't be afraid it's, to check it out. It's I I have a soft spot for it. I'm not going to say that it's classic Doctor Who by any stretch of the imagination, but it Paul McGann was a great doctor. Yeah, oh, he was good. Um, I, I thought he was a, Eric Roberts. I think puts in a great, <laughs> a great scene chewing performance as the villain, as the master in it. Yes, and it has two or three classic moments. The, mm. the 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 point where I think the doctor is trying to steal a cop's motorcycle and oh yeah, does it by stealing the cop's gun and then pointing it at himself and saying, I'm going to shoot yourself myself if you don't give me your motorcycle. <laughs> That's like a classic Doctor Who moment. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, uh, but yeah, but... no, I will I will go to the wall for the TV movie. I think, I don't think it's great, but I think it's, I think it, I think for the most part, it, it did yeah, its job. I, I just meant like, in you know, when you're in the middle of checking everything out, check out right. the TV movie. Uh, so just to everyone listening that might, you know, be interested in checking stuff out, uh, the the reboot stuff uh, is on HBO Max leading up to, I think, Jodie Whittaker's first season, if I remember correctly. Uh, anything after her season then shows up on AMC+, Plus, confusingly enough. Uh, and then the old stuff is on Amazon Prime, which is free if you have Prime. Uh, it's uh, specifically speaking. I think you have to have a BritBox subscription. That's it. Thank you. Yes, I'm sorry. I cause I I have that, so I didn't think about that. That's right. Yes, you do got to get the BritBox subscription. Yes. So um, there you go. That's where you can check all those out. And uh, it's all available on. It's all available on uh, the new series, the rebooted series. It's all available on Blu-ray. Yeah. 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 DVD. 
Um, a lot of them, a lot of the box sets are very, you know, comparatively inexpensive. I picked up um, the entire David Tennant era on Blu-ray, yeah. plus plus animated episodes, plus specials, plus Doctor Who Confidential, plus featurettes, all of that. Three years plus God knows how many specials. I picked that up for thirty-five bucks. That is I not bad. Up, <laughs> I picked up the entire. I picked up a no no frills DVD. Uh, box sets for the Smith and Capaldi years. Mm-hmm. They don't come with the special episodes, the featurettes. They only come with the episodes themselves. And it's on DVD, not Blu-ray. But again, three seasons of TV plus specials, 15 bucks a piece. Which is not bad. That is awesome. Um, the so, classic series, most <clears throat> of the classic series, and if, you, if you've if um, you been listening to this show from the beginning, you know that there are mi- episodes that are missing. Yeah. Pretty much everything that's available you know that 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 exists has been released on of the old show that's been released it's been released on dvd they're steadily releasing stuff on blu-ray as well um now, this is a they're... little bit more expensive but you know you get a good sale on amazon you might be able to pick up a box yeah. a season of doctor who for like 30 bucks yeah there are episodes too that were missing and um some certain episodes uh they had like the audio so what they did is they made animated things for like the older doctor like the second doctor has a couple of animated stuff and whatnot so you can find those as well they're just gonna not be the actual thing that aired (laughs) when it aired they're just gonna Uh be animated stuff so yeah anyway that's how you can check all that out and uh absolutely uh gentlemen is there anything else you want to uh mention about eve with the daleks about this episode anything else any lasting closing thoughts or anything and the, um, the only thing that I would mention is, you know, I I didn't get I didn't really get that much of a feel for the, the doctor and the two companions, like and especially yes, like you know, Dan got a couple of good scenes that showed his personality, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the the doctor had a couple moments, but yes was just kind of there in the background and and i think if you would have asked me before you started talking about her i would not have even remembered what her name was <laughs> wow okay. yeah this is this is something where i think they put more of the emphasis on dan than on yes yeah i i, I will agree to that they, this was like a dan heavy episode <laughs> as far as the doctor herself there have been a lot of complaints that and i don't necessarily agree with them that she's her portrayal is a lot sketchier than previous doctors that they don't really they they don't she's not as fully fleshed out yeah as previous doctors i don't 100 percent agree i think she's a lot more low-key than you know say peter i mean coming right off of peter capaldi's doctor who played the electric guitar and wore sonic sunglasses Mm -hmm. um it, it, it's you know the last few doctors have been comparatively flamboyant and i think she is really kind of low-key in a way we have not seen since the eccleston doctor yeah i can see that. um so a lot of people <clears throat> complain a lot of people complain that she's just not fleshed out as well she's not as um three-dimensional as previous doctors uh, like i said i don't agree but it is it is a common criticism Okay. Okay. Yeah, I. I can't. Uh, you know, like I like I mentioned, I think the last it was last not the last episode, but the first episode we did a flux. Uh, I I missed a good chunk of Jodie Whittaker's like seasons. I caught like the first season, and then I saw Spyfall, and then that was basically where I stopped until I jumped into Flux. So right. I didn't get to see a whole lot of her. Um. Uh, which is unfortunate because when they announced her, I was excited. I wanted to see how they would do a woman doctor. Is basically, uh-huh. I was curious, and then I'm a little disappointed in myself that I didn't ever get to check it out. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I, I, I can't. I do get like when I was watching Flux and this episode, I did get like weird, like something I couldn't put my finger on about like Jody's portrayal of the Doctor. It, like it, it always feels like. Like she knows something, but 
has no plans to tell you what's going on, which normally that's a doctor thing. Like the doctor is usually like that. Like the doctor will know something and then don't say anything until they, the doctor does mention it. Here it's like like Jody's plane. It has I know something and I'm never gonna tell you. Right. <laughs> that's how. That's the vibe I'm getting from her. Right. And and that's I unfortunately I think that's the vibe that Yaz is getting as well. Yeah. Um. But but yeah no I definitely see there's 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 a little something there that I can't really put quite put my finger on. Mm-hmm. Right. It um, feels it feels in, like, like something's off with the show. And right. I, I don't know what it is. It, it feels weird. And it, it's really typical of the whole Chris Chibnall era. It just feels very it, it, it's gotten away quite a bit from the stuff that I liked about. And as much as I will criticize Russell T. Davies and Stephen Moffat as showrunners, mm-hmm. um it's 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 something there is kind of something that they had that is compelling that is largely missing um i think it's largely from the writing i don't think it's from the performances i think everybody's doing a great job yeah yeah yeah, i just think it's the storytelling the storytelling is really lacking here okay all right uh anything else you guys no no awesome all right, well, that's it for Eve of the Daleks. Uh, Bubble Wheat, hey, I'd like to thank you for coming on our show and talking a little bit of Doctor Who and time loops and all that awesome stuff. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. We loved having you on. No problem. It was fun checking out Doctor Who for the first time. Excellent. And uh, Lackey, uh, I don't want to say we're never doing the show again. It could pop up later down the road, but we are – taking an indefinite break <laughs> from this show i'll just say that for now we're gonna do it a, a conscious uncoupling if you will of, of the show um but uh lackey i liked doing the show with you i had fun i got to learn a lot about you know doctor who doctor who has been in my life you know for most of it and uh i i got to learn something new every time i did the show with you so you know i appreciated you as a co-host and uh, thanks for going on this journey with me. You're welcome, and thank you for having me as your co-host. It's really been it's really been awesome to to kind of share my fandom with somebody who's as into um, the show as I am. Um, and I really enjoyed being able to like talk about you know some of my deeper knowledge of these these stories these these things because it's been as I mentioned on the first episode of the podcast, I've been a fan of Doctor Who for going on 40 years now. Mm. You know, my first, I, you know, I, the first time I saw Doctor Who would have been in 1985. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, when yeah. I was 11, in the summer of 85, when I was 11, I believe 11 years old. And it's been an important part of my life for a very long time. And it's great to be able to share my knowledge um with 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 people it, it it's nice to be able to feel like there's a purpose to knowing <laughs> like the name of the actress of the name of the actress who played sarah jane or how many masters there were or you know what the name of the guy playing professor yana is <laughs> your old pal <laughs> my old pal my my poker buddy Derek jacoby yeah. um it's 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 great it it, it was it, it's been a blast being able to kind of discuss this and mm-hmm. you know revisit things and 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 reconnect with something i love indeed i and i had fun i had fun going through all this stuff and uh talking about it making jokes and uh coming up with uh chin ball uh chin that ball. was fun <laughs> that chin was ball fun. and 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 you know weird spin-off ideas you know yes 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 yeah yep so uh if you out there were listening thank you very much for listening i want to say hi to the one person in australia who was listening i don't know if i know you or not but thank you that's awesome uh that's gonna do it for this episode and for the most part this show we may visit it down the line i'll never say never but for now we're going to call it quits. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you know what you should do, listeners, is you should go to rabbitholepodcast.com. There are other shows that you can check out that are about various different topics. Um, there's a comedy show. There's a Marvel show. There's uh, We've got a new one about uh, 
information and history. It's an, it's a great educational show about learning about all kinds of interesting topics. Uh, I got a '90s movie show. Lackey's gonna show up in some of those episodes. Uh, Bubble, we probably be there at some point. Actually, Bubble, I want to talk to you after the show. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so go check that out. Rabbitholepodcast.com. Uh, thank you all very much for listening and for joining us, and we'll see you around. Ever wonder the real story behind Christmas? How about the history of video games, which almost became non-existent in the early 80s? Dr. Seuss, who was a World War II cartoon propagandist. Toilets, for which you can literally think a dude named Crapper. And the US political system, which may or may not be the same thing. Infoblast has you covered with quick looks into interesting histories of, well, anything or anyone. I'm Nick Job. I'm Rob Branch. And you should learn some interesting history along with us. Copyright 2022 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcasts.com.